Welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of the RAG Podcast. As you guys know by now, this is the number one podcast across the recruitment sector globally. And we've always been on a mission to help recruitment agencies grow by interviewing founders and telling their stories of success from startup all the way to scale up and exit. Well, this season, we're a little bit different. How do you, as a recruitment leader and founder, maintain your family and friendships whilst being the best person at work? How do you stay physically fit mentally and emotionally? And how do you find time for yourself in the madness? How do you find time for self-interest, for hobbies and self-improvement? Well, to help you with this, I'm going to be interviewing someone every single week that can demonstrate experience in one or more of these areas. So I'm going to talk to recruitment founders and also some experts from outside the industry who can deep dive into things like relationships and health and well-being. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. We are back. It is 2022. Uh, first episode of the year, and I'm uh, I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling excited. I've, I can't wait to get back to recording every single week. But I've got to admit, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed a bit of a rest. I've recruit I've, I've recruit, recruited. I've recorded a shed load of episodes in the last couple of years. So we all need a break. We all need a break. I'm back. I've got my new Hoxo hoodie on. Those of you who are watching me live or watching back on YouTube, you can see our new stash, which I'm excited about. Um, we are we're repping branded clothes this year, which is cool. Um, guys, today's episode is going to be a cracker. Um, I'm joined by a guy called Alex Zaboli. Some of you may not know this name if you're based in the UK or different parts of the world. Alex is the co-founder and managing director of a company called Cornerstone Recruitment in Japan. Um, he did work in London for a long time, moved out to Japan, launched a business. In two years since launching, there are over 40 staff. Um, there is so much I can't wait to get into and to learn from Alex. How the hell do you get to that kind of growth in two years? Right. Let's get Alex into today's episode. Alex, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thanks, mate. Thank you for having me. Not a problem, mate. Not a problem. So what? let's just set the scene for us, guys. Where, you're in Japan. What time is it now? Uh, give us an overview. It's uh, 7.37 in Japan. It's mm -hmm. Wednesday evening. Uh, you're in, in the, the office. office. Yeah, I'm in the office. Yeah, uh, there are two of my guys that are closing deals here. <laughs> really, really. So, yeah, yeah, am I likely to? Are you going to stop me halfway through and be like, "Yes," and ring some kind of bell or something? You, you might have a couple of dudes <laughs> running in the background. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm in the office. You know, we most of the people have finished work right now. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. Awesome, awesome, Alex. Look, I'll give you a brief overview there. I don't like to go into too much detail for the for the listeners' benefit. Can you tell us? A really clear overview of who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, so, well, as you probably can guess from my accent, you know, I'm uh, I'm Italian. Uh, so, born and bred in uh, a city called Modena, uh, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, it's quite famous for people that love cars. You know, we uh, make uh, Ferrari and uh, Maserati. Uh, I live wow. actually like a couple of minutes from the Maserati factory. Wow. Um, so, born and bred there, lived there uh, till I was 23. Uh, then uh, I was a bit bored, you know. Uh, it was a bit uh, wild child, I would say, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't really go to school, didn't go to university. 
Um, uh, and, you know, I just got a little bit bored and decided to go to London. I've always been in love with uh, uh, some kind of alternative music, you know, so like a big, you know, punk fan and uh, post-punk and all that kind of stuff. So I always loved, like, London. I went there on holiday, uh, fell in love with the city, uh, went there, uh, didn't speak a word of English. Uh, so started from um, from being a kitchen porter in London right. and then worked uh, went to school, you know, uh, learn a little bit of English, work in restaurants. Uh, then I got my first job in recruitment, I think after, I think my first year, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I worked for a company called uh, um, uh, Staff Bank Recruitment. They do like Staff, uh, Bank. Uh, okay. Staff Bank, it's a boutique, basically. They yeah. do uh recruitment for um, uh, the education uh sector uh i worked there for one year then i moved to blue arrow uh which is you know one of the largest catering and hospitality uh yeah yeah uh you know high street uh agencies worked there for three years um then i met my wife a japanese lady in london we got married came to japan uh i went with Hayes at the time i stayed how three years find, how did you find that move were you were you excited about it was it something you wanted to do yeah, um, yeah, because um, I was again three years at Blue Hour. I was really happy. Uh, I did really well. I, I, I got my first managerial job, I think, after my first year at Blue Arrow. Mm. So it was pretty quick. And, uh, uh, you know, then, you know, uh, kind of blue collar recruitment, you know, catering recruitment, I, I felt that I was a bit bored, you know. Mm. Um, and then again, I met my wife. I, I'd never been to Japan before. And no. never had a particular interest uh, in Japan apart from my missus. <laughs> uh, so I kind of didn't know anything. Of course, I had friends that moved to Hong Kong and yeah. Singapore. So I was a little bit familiar with Asia and I knew that Asia was uh, like a good market to be, you know, for recruiters. But I never know anything about, about Japan. But I just, what I did is very simple. I connected with everybody. So I sent all LinkedIn invitations to all the, you know, to all the MDs in Japan. And uh, I got like, you know, I'm not saying I got offered by everybody, but I got like four or five offers on the table bet, within like a month and a half. Or did you need a visa or was it because you were married? You, was it easy for you? <clears throat> I got the uh, spouse visa because yeah. it was a bit easier for us to do. But this is to get a, uh, a visa in Japan is, is quite easy, honestly, even right. without a college degree, actually. Right. Okay. So you got there and then... You stayed in recruitment at Hayes, did you say? Yeah, I went to Hayes. Uh, stayed there for three years. Um, uh, and then uh, I did really well at Hayes, I think. You know, I won best manager of the year for two years running. Always the top 10 billers in Japan and in Asia. Uh, built the team from uh, four to 20 when I left, I think. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, you know, for me, there was a certain point where, you know, the politics uh, got a little bit too much for me, I think. And there was a change of MD as well, where, you know, uh, I didn't really uh, get along, honestly, with the, with the mm-hmm. new MD. Uh, and then um, I got uh, approached by my current business partner, Matt. Uh, Matt was uh, at a company called RGF, which probably a lot of people don't know honestly yeah. in the uk but our jeff is the bilingual arm of recruit recruit is a monster of a company it's actually the fourth or fifth largest recruitment company uh yeah, worldwide is it yeah. it's a japanese company huge massive um he was in charge of he was the managing director of this brand of recruit which is the international you know bit of it yeah, yeah. um 
uh, and uh, yeah, met him, you know, uh, both kind of, uh, I mean, I, I, even if I'm Italian, I, I, I classify myself as a UK recruiter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we had that connection, uh, just really got along. So you hired me there, Jeff. And then from, I think that is what really put us on the map, I think, in Asia, because we built that business from 20 to around 200 people in, in wow. four years. Um, uh, that was insane, absolutely. What, insane. In what, what market were you recruiting in that point? So we did everything. So, you know, kind of like the bilingual art, like sort of, you know, in Japan, you know, we do, and all the like foreign firms in Japan, so Hayes, Robert Waters, Michael Page, S3, you know, all these guys, we yeah. deal with a very tiny part of the Japanese market, which is the bilingual recruitment market in Japan, so, which is like all the multi multinationals that have uh, an entity in Japan across any industry, really. Uh, we deal with the senior and upper management, you know, so uh, of those firms, basically. So it's mainly uh, Japanese people that speak English that work for foreign firms in Japan. So it's, it's a very tiny part and it's sort of the upper market of the sort of Japanese uh, economy or, or labor, uh, yeah. you know, uh, part. But it's, it's highly, highly uh, lucrative because it's really candidate short. Wow. So it's all about that, like those language skills in different areas. Um so what made you, you're doing an amazing job. You get to 200 people. Why on earth are you starting a business? Why don't you just carry on scaling that? Yeah, I mean, we are super ambitious guys, you know. So we did that. And our goal uh, within the, you know, the food chain of the Japan recruitment, you know, <laughs> uh, system, we were number three, you know. So in right. Japan, uh, Robert Waters is number one. They've always been number one in Japan. They're a very nice organization here. Mm. Number two is kind of a local player. And the number three was up for grabs, and we got that spot, right, in, in four years. Uh, and our goal has always been to um, to be number one, you know, so to go from, again, 200 to, you know, 350 or something like that, you know. So, of course, to do that, you need to have sort of yeah. like, a, you have to s share the same uh, ideas, really, as, as the board, really. So we felt that after a period of time, sort of our objectives were not aligned anymore. Um, and uh, also we felt that, you know, um, we kind of always, you know, Matt and I have always kind of been talking about like, you know, hey, how about setting up your own business? In Japan, there's a nice little ecosystem of small yeah. boutiques, you know, that grew to, you know, 50, 80, 100 people. So you can have that growth, you know. So, you know, we thought about it. We, you know, this was pre-COVID, you know, so there was actually a lot of investment in Asia, so lots of international, in particular, you know, British firms opening offices in America and Asia. So we felt, well, you know, the time is right. We got a great story to tell. Let's just see, you know, like if there could so be. So did you leave your job and then go out and search for, because I know you've got investment in this business from day one. Yeah. Did you go out, did you take that time out to do that or did you manage, did you have to do it at the same time? Uh, no, we did it at the same time. So we, wow. we started. Uh, I think it took us from the moment we sit down and said, okay, let's do it. You know, let's write the business plan and, you know, let's start to connect with investors. It took us kind of six months, I think, from start right. to finish. Uh, and uh, no, we did it while working because, you know, we, we sort of wanted to, you know, to see like what, what you can get, you know, because yeah. we, you know, we did with it. Uh, we wanted to do something very specific. You know, the majority of boutiques, uh, at least in Japan, they are privately owned. Yeah. And they were founded like maybe 20 years ago when really the market opened. And we didn't want to do anything like that. We wanted to do something big, you know, and to do that, 
you know, we did a little bit of the math, so we realized how much capital we needed. So, you know, we, we, we didn't know if that was possible, honestly. So, so there was never, it was never like the intention to sit there between two of you and just have a nice lifestyle. It was, it was to make, keep it lean and, and profitable. It was always about scale. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I've got absolutely no interest in in having a small business. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not what I want. I want to, you know, uh, because you know, we, I think over the time, right? We, I think we, we became like quite expert on the Japanese market, and Japanese Japan market is really, you know, it's, it's not difficult. It's not easy to crack, to be honest. And because of that, we felt, you know, well, I fancy another got it, you know, but this mm. time as my business yeah um so no i've got yeah we have no interest and i think we're specialists in growing scaling fast i think is has become so you, one of our... to, you mentioned you might ma- you managed to get investment from was it two different arms you got investment from yeah so we got from um uh, cornerstone global partners which is one of uh is one of the largest firm in in asia actually uh mm-hmm. they have i don't remember how many people they have now but it's 500 600 people you know uh, between mainland China and uh, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, and uh, Morgan Stanley. I just want to mention our sponsors as always. Okay, so for some of you, um, we, we are we are ranging up the sponsors this year, which is interesting. But we're still working with District Four, who are a a business that provides support for experienced recruiters who want to launch their own company. Like twenty twenty two January, when when is a better opportunity to think about? your own business okay what they do is they offer a startup package which includes taking care of all the back office and they implement a suite of technology products meaning you can get focused on what you do best which is billing all right i mean i've started a company i'm sure alex and the people i always speak to you know it is doable on your own but it's a hell of a lot of work it's a headache um and i feel like if you've got an expert team behind you you can hit the ground running and and recruit even faster also, all of the different partners in the business work together and learn from each other. So you're not just getting that back office support. You're also getting the time and the support from the network. So um, you've got colleagues, you've got people to lean on. Um, it's not as lonely. And uh, I really believe that it gives you the best chance of success in such a competitive market. So reach out to District 4. That's district4.io. Check on the contact us uh, link on the page. Register some interest, have a chat. I'm sure you won't regret it. So you've got a banking background and, and, and Cornerstone are already in recruitment in those regions, are they? Yeah, Cornerstone is a recruitment company. Yeah, so already. The the Did they have a Japanese arm at the time? No, they they wanted to invest in Japan for many right. years because, you know, it's super profitable, right? And everybody, you know, fancy, honestly, having a business in Japan. It's just like, you know, it's an expensive market, you know, so... Uh, I think the first priority was to come here and buy a business, but they never got, I think, the right deal. I think, and uh, and we we had quite a lot of friends in common, you know, with them uh, because the number two is an ex Hayes guy, so I knew him uh, and so on. So when they knew that you know we're kind on the mark on the market, then then we made it happen basically. Wow. So so you've gone from zero or two people to forty people in two years, right? Um, and that's incredible growth, right? Obviously, the investment I imagine has played a huge part in that. But yep. can you take us back to the beginning, like paint the picture? What did what did it look like at the beginning with with having that partnership? Because I always interview people that you know sit in their bedroom on their own kind of thing. Like this is slightly different. What do, what does the beginning of the business look like when you sat there, two people with money in your pocket? 
like how does it how did how did you get it get it off the ground what did you do um so i mean it's uh i mean i think you go through like kind of emotions you know because <laughs> you know you, you close this deal right which was like wow amazing you know what i mean like and yeah. uh, now i've got to uh, do some work <laughs> you know and uh, we, we traveled literally the world because we came to london for a week to meet with investors so it's, mm. it's really like an amazing experience i think to yeah. actually to close the deal and yeah, then you got this cash, you know. Um, and uh, but I think the, the the reality hits you pretty, you know, pretty quickly because we were used to uh, just having, you know, a, a really nice infrastructure behind you. And we kind of always work for big companies, you know. I yeah. never really work for a boutique, so yeah. apart from the beginning of my career in London. So you know, you start and you don't have. Uh, even like really basic thing, you know, just to open a bank account, you know, it took us forever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so, you know, on the operational side, it was not, I think it, it was not too difficult because we hired people straight away. So we went from zero to 10 in like three, four months, you know. So what, was it, what, what roles did you, what roles did you go for straight away? Uh, just people we knew. You know, so we, you know, we took, of course, some guys with us, you know, from, yeah. from our previous company. Um, so we took a bunch of them. And also, you know, there were some, you know, long-term targets that I had for years when I was at RGF and I couldn't hire them for, you know, right. because they, that, that situation didn't fit them. So we managed to convince, uh, I think, two of the biggest players i think at managerial level in japan uh, one in financial services and one in uh, life science uh, as a manager so these are two guys that matt and i wanted to hire for literally five years you know something like that and we didn't have the setup or, or the conditions right for them to join our jeff and here you know they knew us you know the you know we got them to meet with our investors you know so you know they they, they realized actually you know that the whole story the whole pitch was legit and um and then and that's how we started so we started with uh like two senior con uh which uh i think were really high potential from rgf and we took them here uh, a couple of uh again these two guys right mark and derek um and uh, a couple of acs couple of new grads right and what about operationally did you hire an ops manager or a marketing no. or any uh, I'm the up guy. <laughs> so no, we only have we're very lean on back office, you know. So we were super lean. So, and you know, I think for us, you know, the beauty of you know going with you know Cornerstone Global Partners is, you know, we have all the back office function uh, kind of outsourced to them, you know. So we have an accounting and finance team that does all my invoices, uh, does all my PNL in Shanghai. Yeah. So. Uh, you know all the analysis you know all the kind of stuff is it's kind of taking well, care interesting. Of i've literally just mentioned that about district four right the, uh, our sponsor that they offer the similar platform to people and what, what what sort of value does that add do you think in the early days when when you don't have to be running around doing your own crap when it comes to finance and setup uh, massive because you i mean both them um, you know matt and i are really commercial guys you know so yeah. we love selling you know selling training hiring you know all the kind of stuff but really yeah. the commercial side and the front office side of the business so you know you have somebody that does the pnl you know create you you know list of invoices to chase and tells you when these invoices is expiring all this kind of stuff even payroll you know yeah. so 
that is really that legal as well. You know, when you, you know, you set up the legal entity, you know, they have people that can hook you up and do all the kind of stuff for you, you know, uh, setting up the bank, all the kind of stuff that you do have a nice infrastructure behind, you know. So, so when you're handpicking, really... if you're if you're leaving one company and then you're handpicking a couple of people from other brands, including the one you were at, surely there was quite a not a big non-compete on most of your heads. Like you couldn't you you must have been hamstrung a little bit in the early day around what you could or couldn't do. Yeah, we you know, you take risk, I guess, you know. <laughs> uh yeah, you take risk, you know. Of course you don't advertise it, you know, straight away. Yeah. Uh, and you do things a little bit uh uh, discreetly, you know, uh, and and that's that's how we did it. Basically, you know, I don't think there was also, you know, we we were not like really competitors, you know, at the beginning. I think because you know you get two honestly senior con living, you know, two hundred people company joining yeah. us is not it's, it's not, not a big, thing. Right. It's not yeah. a big deal, you know. And we didn't go after like 50, 60 people and take half no. of the business. We just had couple of people that we really wanted and you know it, 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 again it was not a big deal uh and I, I i think they join us you know very close with the deadline of the non-compete or something like that but we didn't it, yeah we didn't really go after them or behave no. in any you know uh in any negative way i think to that to so how quickly did you how quickly did you start making money like how what was the trajectory like in the first six months of billing uh, it was pretty good. So we again, that, that's one of the reasons why we decided to go with, you know, with with the JV, you know, uh, type of structure. Because uh, I think if you want to go into a growth mode, you know, I mean, it's it's nice, you know, they give you the cash, but like any other investors, they want to see profitability, they want to see yeah. the growth and the profitability at the same time. So we, you know, we, I think we, you know, we we, we did a good job at uh, making sure that. And I think in general, like our investors was really were really happy to have a business in Japan. So we got a lot of leads from Singapore, from Hong Kong, from mainland China. So they got us started straight away. I think we signed actually uh, uh, on the second month, I think, or something like that. Like two really big retainers, you know that, wow. you know. So so we uh, in the first year, I don't remember to be honest if we we're profitable or not. I think we were around the break even. Of course, you have an initial investment, right? That. Yeah. put there and it helps you to you know pay salaries and you know get the uh, office and all the kind of stuff but uh after the initial setup cost i think the first year we were i think if we didn't break even we were very close i think about doing that and last year we made a really nice profit you know even yeah. growing from like 12 15 to like 40 basically you know now we are like 45 46 i think at the end of the first year you got to be what 15 ish uh, the end of the first year, we started the business in October, I think, or November, you know. So right. first three months, so we started January, I think, with 10, I think, you know, right. something like wow. that. When we 10, and then we did the first 10, we did 10, 18 or something like that. No, 10, because that, that was, yeah, we did 10 to, no, th uh, the second year was last year, actually. So yeah. we did 10 to 30 something. Right. And this year we're starting on now. I have 42, 43 account, I think. Uh, mm. uh, so we kind of hiring basically our strategy has always been we hired like kind of five, five to ten people per quarter, kind of it from the beginning. Yeah. And what what's your strategy around that? Is it all graduates or no? We mix it up. So uh, so I think in you know again in Japan I think uh, Matt and I are 
a, a little bit like, you know, uh, I think we're the first guys that really introduced the concept of uh, hiring from competitors in Japan. You know, I think before us, you had the, you know, sporadic move from, you know, Hayes, Robert Waters or like that, but it was like really not, not a thing, I think. Um, we really pushed that thing. And I think we're quite famous in Japan for headhunting people from competitors. Uh, and and that was our thing, you know, with without Jeff, I think. What's the USP? Like, what what are you, why would someone leave Robert Walters if they're billing, you know, significant amounts? Why would they bother? Why would they leave? Uh, well, I think about, I think at the beginning without Jeff was really difficult to convince people because, you know, it's just me saying, hey, we're going to go to 200 people that there are another hundred dudes that are saying the same thing for the last 20 years. So that uh, was a bit difficult. I think you, you you need to have a vision. You have to explain the vision properly and, you know, with like, you know, with a nice, you know, like uh, plan and, and, and stuff, you know. Uh, but ultimately we did it, you know, we did it. And, you know, that every hire gets easier and easier and easier. And also we had the spots available, you know. So we hired a lot of con, senior con and manager that they had that career path in front of them. And of course, at the time, we also had a nice brand behind us, you know. So in Japan, if you talk about like a you know, recruit, it's like talking about like Toshiba or, you know, Sony. Yeah. It's like it's a household name. So that helps uh, help you a bit. Here with Cornerstone, I think this time people knew us, you know, they knew that we did it before. Uh, and again, this time also we're doing it in, I think we're doing it in style, you know, with money, with investments, you know. So I think this time with a bit more personality, I think our personality is a bit more present, I think, in the business this time. Uh, so I think people know us, so they know that we kind of... If they're, already, if they're already working for, say, a 200, 300-person business, if they're already at the bigger one, why move to one that's not there that's aiming to get there? Like, because it's, you know, they're going backwards to go up again. What's the strategy or what's your... But we don't go after the top boys, right? You know, I'm not I'm right. not going for like a director that is managing 60 people already. I'm yeah. going for like a senior con or a manager that wants to become a manager, a senior manager and a director. So where people mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, we, we're going for people that have not peaked already in their career for experienced recruiters. Uh, also, I mean, it's, it's all fashion, but we put money on the table. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so we, if we like somebody, if we go after them, we, you know, we come in with uh, uh, very interesting offers and uh, we design a commission scheme that in Japan, I think if, if it's not the best, is one of the best. So, you know, financially, it makes sense. I think, of course, you got to, you got to do the grind, you know, so you got to, you know, you got to, you know, build your client base, database. We, we don't have the same, you know, resources as, again, more established businesses here. But I think that's, you know, also part of the, you know, of the fun and, and the enjoyment of actually growing a company is, is to do that. So we go for that type of person, you know, we go for the experienced guy. Uh, but also we, 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 we're having like huge success with new grads. You know, last year, my, you know, within my top 10, let's say, uh, of 40 something people i there were like easy like five new grads that are hired in december in, in january wow um, are they are they japanese locals or are they expats or uh no we we have a minority of japanese people now in the office you know so out of 43 44 whatever people I have now is only i think i have only four japanese people right uh two in back office <laughs> <laughs> so uh uh all the rest are again like super diverse like you know brits american uh, italians french uh lots of southeast asia uh so yeah so how would you pick them up at that point are they already in japan and looking for work or are you you approaching them in in, in other countries saying come to japan like what 
No, we get people, we, we, we develop over the years, like some very nice relationship with uh, some of the best universities in Japan. No. They're, they're more like international minded than, you know, uh, uh, like universities. So uh, we, we go after those those new grants, basically. And again, we have a reputation, you know, again, me and Matt have been here for 10 years almost. Matt are actually even more than me. So we, you know, we have already like, you know, fifth, sixth generation of new grads, you know, that, you know, they go back and they say, you know, in Japan is really strong, the like alumni type of community. So, you know, they go back to the uni, they do a speech and say, hey, you know, you know, uh, if you're thinking about recruitment, you know, I'm working here. Or I used to work with these guys, you know, you should work there, you know, that's, and that's how we got a lot of our, uh, through referrals, basically. And how how would you say recruitment is received as a, as a, as a career path in Japan? Is it, is it seen sexy. as a... It's sexy, really? sexy yeah. really sexy. Yeah, it's more like a, I think for me the best way to experience is more like an agent. You know, we're like really like a football agent. I think that's you have much more similarity to that. So you don't have, again, the stigma of being seen as, a, you know, like a like a used car salesman. You know, it's not like it's it's really sexy. No. But actually, the job is here. Honestly, is way more sexy than than in UK because the fees are higher and it's almost like executive search, you know, to a certain extent. It's contingency mainly what we do, but I think it's as the 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 like the finesse and all the kind of stuff is more and really the the salaries is more similar to executive search. And you said that the fees are like forty percent, like between thirty and forty percent standard. Uh yeah, yeah, is uh is insane. Um <laughs> Again, it's uh, really? it's crazy, but it's it's easy to fill jobs. I mean, it's difficult to fill jobs, you know. So lots yeah. of people say, "Oh, why is so expensive?" You know, like, uh, but you know, it's it, you know, I, I hired um, we hired one experienced recruiter from Canada like uh, three months ago, uh, like five years recruitment experience in Canada, you know, and he came here and we told him about, "Hey, is Canada driven? Is Canada short?" And he's like, "Yeah, okay, I get it." And then he comes here, he does a search. It's nobody <laughs> yeah. goes on LinkedIn, Salesforce, like what, 30 people, 40 people. <laughs> so it's like, I'm telling you, there are no candidates, you know, so it's not easy to, to fill these jobs, you know, that's why the fees are so high. So what is the strategy then? Is it all headhunting or is it network? If there's no one online, how do you find them? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, um, uh, you, I mean, there, there are different platforms that you can use, there are different job boards, basically, mm. that you can use, you know. So we use those. Uh, I think referrals, you know, is really big. You know, I think it's really, really, really important. Um, and that's pretty much it, you know, referrals. Like really tech, like flipping, you know, flipping candidates and clients, mm. I think is really important skills. To, and you mentioned that, here. like, a candidate will use a couple of agents their whole career. Like, they won't, they won't, they'll just say, right, you're going to take me on that journey, right? Yeah, no, not everybody, you know, of course, they are, you know, it's mm. becoming more popular and maybe I think, you know, candidates, I think the, the, the really good candidates, they really use just a couple of agents. And then the lower you go in within the quality of the candidates, of course, the more broader options they yeah. have, you know, but really, really the good one, they they have that relationship with uh, with a few agents and they talk to them and, you know, they use them to develop their career, basically. Love it. it, it you are making it sound exciting. I'll be honest. I'm. I'm sitting here thinking. I, it's, think, it's cool, do I really need to carry on at Hoxo, or should I bugger off to Japan and start working? It's cool, man. It's, it's sexy. <laughs> you know, it's really sexy. It's. Uh, I mean, it's how you see it, right? You know, some people here. I mean, in Japan, it might find it a bit boring. For me, it's like it's such a sexy market because, um, you know, if you love like entertaining and that kind of stuff with clients, you know. 
you really can enjoy the city you know especially for us in particular I, you know i always believe in you know client entertainment is is a must have if you want to be a top top builder i think mm. and uh you know, here, you you know, you, you know, you got the Ritz, you know, you got all the nice hotel, you know, and, you know, Tokyo is a vibrant city, you know, for, you know, wining and dining, you got lots I'm of nice it, yeah. cool bars. So, you know, if you embrace that element and which is kind of what we're trying to, you know, like do over here, you know, that really that, you know, champagne. You've managed, what, you know? What's interesting though is you've done this in the middle of a pandemic. So tell us how has COVID affected the operational structure with what the vision you had to start the company and then pandemic how because surely you can't have done too much wine and there must have been a, an element of restriction around how much of those things you could have done so yeah i mean japan was a soft pandemic right there, there was no like major lockdown you know like in europe so you could right. go to work of course you know uh, a lot of people started to work from home and now it's becoming way more like pretty much we are the only i think one of the very few recruitment companies that actually works in the office you know so we didn't yeah. do any remote work you know so we decided um hey listen you know this is an opportunity for us i think we we saw the market as as an opportunity and you know the pandemic started when we pretty much opened the business so we opened the business in again september and january february kicked off the pandemic right yeah. so um but so at the beginning you get scared honestly because you know your pipeline collapses you know uh but then you know we thought about it we saw kind of what was happening and i think in general like matt and i are you know are a bit of risk takers you know so if we see an opportunity we uh you know we, again we go for it and we saw a lot of our competitors working from home and that had a massive impact on uh how certain accounts were worked you know of course certain industry tanked you know like hospitality you know like uh, retail uh, big big hit but it and life science was strong through the pandemic even at the beginning you know so we saw huge opportunities in those markets and uh, we had everybody in the office literally grinding because uh all the candidates you know at the time we didn't basically have a database you know we had a very tiny database so we were like screening like 30 candidates a day you know so like uh so we build a database over that period of time and also more people um, wanted to speak to you right more people were open to a conversation at that point yeah yeah we register some amazing candidates from you know at the time you know Walt Disney fired a lot of people so they're like some really really quality candidates entering uh and willing to talk to a recruiter uh so that was great uh so we built a database uh we I think again because our guys were working in the office you know honestly they worked harder and uh, uh because a lot of guys you know here especially if they had like a draw system or something like that they just said you know what like, i'm chilling this year you know i'm not gonna make any money anyway so mm. i'm just gonna spend time with my family or whatever right so we were here grinding and because of that i think there were lots of nice accounts that were not serviced properly so those accounts, if the times were normal, they would not have considered us, honestly, as, as a vendor, I think. Uh, but, you know, we got in and we perform on those accounts. So we open accounts that, again, would not have been available otherwise. And as I said, you know, we went aggressively out and head down from competitors. You know, we we knew who kind of who we want to get, you know, uh, some of the key guys. And, you know, we went there and, you know, lots of people were not, I think, treated fairly during the pandemic, honestly, yeah. by their companies, you know, like not paying bonuses and that kind of stuff. And we went there with, you know, 
we cash and with with uh, with uh, you know with an opportunity and and we close some some really important uh, internal hire for us. So, so now course, you've got no interest in remote work and it's all about the office. That's the strategy. Yeah. yeah, I mean honestly, like you know, our guys are now we have a culture that is like that, and you know, our guys think that you know the people working from home they. You know, they don't want to make that much money, you know. Yeah. So I had a conversation literally like 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 two days ago, three days ago with uh, with an internal candidate and from from a big firm, you know, and um, I know her desk really well because I know I know the history of that division and I know the history of that desk, you know. So and she, you know, one and a half year, a big firm, you know, I knew a guy that used to work there uh that used to make around 80 million japanese yen a year as a revenue okay so i met What's this that, girl what does that translate to in pound in pound i don't know in usd is eighty thousand usd no eight hundred thousand usd 800 so what six hundred thousand pounds something like that something like that right. it's good it's good good desk right it's good but what i knew the guy i knew the girl the girl before her and i knew the guy before the girl before here before yeah. The second one. So she's like the third person holding that desk, right? And I knew the guy that originally started the desk. And the guy was making 80 million a year. She's now making 15. So I'm saying, like, hey, you know, like there, you know, you're making like a fraction of what that desk could generate, you know. And you know, of course, is you know, it's not necessarily up to you. I think she I think she was good, you know. But I said like a big part, I think, is because you're working from home. You know, nobody's really listening to your calls, give you good advice and stuff like that. So I said if you really wanna make money, I think working in the office, especially at the beginning of your career, if you have a good manager, it will increase the chances of you making money. Just to, my ACs, my new grads make thirty million, make mm-hmm. double what she makes with nowhere near the resources that she has available. So I told them now you have a bit of a dilemma in front of you. Like, you know, do you do, do you compromise a little bit your lifestyle to make more money or do you choose to, you know, make the same as you're making now, but, you know, of course, a better lifestyle, more chill lifestyle. Then is, you know, now what she has she to think about it. She's, she's thinking about it. I think she's yeah. going to stay where she is. I think, you know, I don't yeah. think she's going to move. Yeah. No. But well, uh, if you're listening, if you're listening, I wonder, what, I wonder what you're thinking. Um, it is interesting. I, you know what? I'm going to say that, you know, my business is pretty much remote. We, we work together once a week or whatever when we meet. And I, I definitely understand what you've said. I, I don't believe in my business. It's something I need to implement or go back to. But what I love is when people have a vision and they stick to it, right? So if you believe in fully remote or no remote, I don't really care as long as you believe in it. The businesses, I think, that sit on the fence a bit and they're not sure who they are they lost they lose their identity you know yeah yeah i, I, I think, think you know like a, into it and I, lo- I respect you for that i think it's great remote is great you know i think he's you know i think he's is absolutely great you know especially if you're like a bit of uh if you're an experienced recruiter if yeah. you uh, want to have a bit more of that lifestyle business if you're a small firm i think it's great you know i don't think you have to go to the office honestly um for us you know like you know, now I'm hiring kind of 80% new grads and 20% or inexperienced people and 20%, uh, you know, experienced guys, you know, and I'm really happy because I have a great management team that can train, you know. Uh, so for me, I, it's, it's simply a business decision. I would not make the same amount of yeah. money if they work yeah. remotely. And, you know, we, again, the beauty of having, you know, an investment like ours is that, 
you know, you get the investment, you have to perform on that investment, you know, so you do have to grow fast and you have to be profitable, you know, like at the same time. That leads to a question I've got then. So what, what are the, I can understand the pros of an investor at the beginning, you know, you get that cash, you get that support. It's a different game. It's a completely different game than sitting there and trying to generate it all yourself. But what are the challenges that honestly, like I'm I'm not asking you to negatively speak about your investors because I'm sure you've got a great relationship, but if someone's thinking about it, what do they really need to know and, and, and consider if it's right for them? Like you mentioned, there's an element, I imagine there's a bit of pressure, but can you give us a bit more detail around that? What does it feel like and what, what's your experience been like? Yeah, for us, it's been great, honestly. Like uh, we we really got along with them and, you know, we performed from day one. So I think they're really happy with what we're doing. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, you know, so that that's my experience. I think uh, they've been really you know, and, and that's kind of what's part of our deal. From the operational perspective, they, you know, we do what we want. You know, they really don't have a say on how we run the business. Um, would, they ever say if, would they ever say if you stop performing? Yeah, probably, of course. You know, if, uh, you know, if you start to make a loss for, you know, like a year and they're losing money, of course, they they yeah. might get a little bit more involved, you know, so for sure. But like, I think in any business, whatever, you have an investor, you don't have an investor, you know, if you don't make money, your HQ is going to jump in and say, yeah. hey, what's up, you yeah, know, yeah, so, um, so I don't think there's much difference in that sense. I think for me, my advice, because, you know, for me, I, you know, it's something that, you know, it's not that Matt and I, you know, you know, have MBAs and we did this master plan to, you know, get this stuff done. We just literally uh, sort of learn the process as you get along, honestly, and by meeting a lot of different people. I think for me, my, main observation is just be careful you know there are lots of especially in uk what we came across was a lot of off-the-shelf uh uh investment uh type of thing you know where yes you get the money but uh you have to use a certain crm you have to use this you have to do that you have to you have to use this commission scheme so they're really off-the-shelf product you know so you get a little bit of money but i think you know if you ask somebody they really want to you know, express themselves in the business is, I don't think is a great thing. You lose an uh, element of control, what you're saying. You'd lose any, and what's part of part of owning a company is having that decision-making capability, right? So we came across a lot of those products, I think, when, when we were in London. Uh, and I think now the money is nowhere near good uh, compared to when we got our investment. So our investment was way pre-COVID where, all you know all banks had money you know everybody all boutiques had money they wanted to grow overseas now nobody has money you know mm-hmm. so or if they do have money they're way more careful on how they spend it i think so i think that probably the recruitment product you're getting right now they're not as good as the one you were getting i think two three years ago in my opinion which is even mm-hmm. worse so i think that was a big thing um i think you know yeah, that that's I don't know that that was one thing that really kind of uh, I don't know caught our attention. I think when when we're doing that, I think chemistry is really important. You know, like it's, I know it sounds a bit cliche, but you know, if you do start a business with somebody, you know, you gotta get along in general. You know, um, you know, I think just taking money from the first person that walks through the door, I don't think is a great is a great thing, even if the money is good you know and everything but i think you just need to have that feeling of like hey i you know I, i'm actually i might enjoy working with these guys you know so i think that that's it pretty much you know i think those those i think those are the things you you probably need to consider the most i think if you invest you know yeah makes sense
those of you who know the all-in-one operating system for the market, Vincere. I mean, I'm so excited to to announce for them to you guys. If you don't already know, they have uh, been acquired and joined forces, but with the Access Group. So the Access Group, um, you know, I've got a huge heritage and history. They're a heavyweight partner in the recruitment sector, and they believe in that vision of a shared operating, a single operating system for that front, middle, and back office across the recruitment sector. So nothing's going to change from Vincere. The same people you're dealing with, the same vision the same mission, but way more firepower. Like they're going to be a bigger brand. They're going to grow much faster. There's more investment now to grow. So watch this space. You can read the press release in the comments uh, section of LinkedIn or on the recording. You'll see the link. Um, check it out on the Spotify or Apple podcast or read about it. Um, well done, Vincere. I mean, I've been watching your journey from the start and uh, I'm delighted to see what's happened. I can't wait to see what 2022 has in store. You, I can, I can get an energy from you, right? Even in this interview, like you, you're almost moving as you're speaking, right? I feel like, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you would like, you've got some serious energy, like, and I think that Cheers. it comes across in, in in everything you're saying, right? And I, th- I think most founders of good businesses have that. They have like this, you know, like an aura around them. What I'm interested in is, what's your actual, what's your day like? Like, the, a big part of this show is telling the story of growth, right? People are like, mm-hmm. wow, excited, forty people, how have you done it? But really, I, I'm, I, they're also interested in learning from you as a person. Mm. Like, how do you set yourself up now? Like, what is your day job when you've got 40 staff? What are you doing from, honestly, from morning till afternoon? Like, can you give us an overview of an average day? Sure. Yeah, I mean, for you know, for us, we're quite lucky because we have basically two MDs in the business, you know, myself and Matt, and we kind yeah. of really share responsibility. So, uh, so each one of us manages teams. So we have... Uh, uh, I'm still manage a couple of recruiters directly, but then I have uh, one director that manages other guys, and Matt is the same. So he's got man, he manages different teams, you know. So we manage again. We do manage that. We sell. We're still selling a lot, you know. So we do. We sell retainers mainly, and uh, we sign terms of business with new clients, so a bit more client facing. We don't do my Matt stop bill maybe like six months ago. I carried on a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, and uh, so we, we do that, you know. And of course, the last few years, you do just a day-to-day job of a recruiter and a manager and a director, basically. Um, we interview a tons of people. You know, we spend uh, seriously, like, we interview between me and him, like, easily 20 people a week for first. As in, to work for you? To work for us, yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, how do you get, how do you fit that in a day, though, if you've got, so that's, that's like, between you, it's two a day. You've got, Pretty much, you've got yeah. a manager team. You're still selling to customers. How do you manage? How do you fit it all in? I don't know. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, if you don't bill, honestly, it's quite easy to do. To be honest with you, because you know the day-to-day management of the team. You, you know, we don't we don't manage ACs anymore, right? So if I managed to uh, not experience recruiter, but they're already in the uh, second year, I think, right now. So. I mean, it's, I'm sitting next to them. So if they have a question, they ask me, I answer, that's it. I have a one with them with them once a week, that's it. Uh, then I have a director that runs, you know, another part of the business. So I have a one-on-one with him. Uh, and again, we, we're in the office, so it's much easier because I can actually, I can listen to the calls. So if I can spot something, I just say it, you know, hmm. uh, not to the person, but to the person in charge of yeah. that person, basically, yeah. you know. So, so that is very dynamic and very fluid, I think. Uh, uh, I think internal hiring is is a big part, you know. Um, 
you know, especially again, the, the easy part is the kind of the again the uh, the new grads and stuff. We we get a lot of direct application, and I have an office lady that is kind of doing a bit of TA. We do spend a lot of time uh, uh, evenings out. I think you know, like Wednesday, Thursday, and Fridays. Usually, uh, Matt and I meet uh, competitors. You know, so uh just you know because again you close you know you meet a guy today you're gonna close him in like three years four years down the line so you just you know? go meet him for a beer or something and go out and yeah yeah dinner drinks you know and and then you regularly keep in touch eventually at some point so what, of the... what time do you get home at night after a, an average day uh i don't know not too late like maybe nine ten o'clock something like that you know and how does your wife cope is, is there any issues there no, no, we're cool. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I think usually, you know, uh, again, we can alternate Matt and I, right? So it's not yeah. that every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday I'm out, you know? Mm. Usually uh, Monday, Tuesday, I'm home like at 7 o'clock, you know, something yeah. like that. Uh, um, so, you know, I have dinner with my family. Uh, I've got two kids. Uh, wow. So do you kids? Bad, you know, watch a movie with my missus. And then uh, maybe like, I don't know, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I, again, I either have a drink uh, with Matt <laughs> or <laughs> somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and Friday, usually we have drinks in the office. So we stay around like maybe six and then I go home. Uh, I live yeah. very close to the office. So in, I cycle to the office. So I'm here within half an hour. Cycle so you, back. you live in central Tokyo then? Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Our office is literally in Tokyo Station, which is, I mean, Tokyo is like, just to give you a comparison, it's probably like, five times london maybe something like that wow. so it's huge right uh yeah. uh so i live i can cycle from to the office within half an hour um yeah. so you know it's the now work-life balance is honestly is okay it's not it's not that bad you know and i like going out a couple of i don't but you know to compensate that you know for instance i, I don't have any friends you know outside yeah. of work so i don't you know i don't have any I, my mates are again mad some of the guys in the office and yeah, you know, I see so your weekend time. Your weekend time is family and and committed yeah. to them, and then yeah. in the week you committed. So, how old are your children? Uh, my son is six, and my daughter is three. Right. So, how uh, how much do they know about your your business? Are they interested in it? Do you talk about it? Yeah, yeah. We uh, they they came to the office, you know, a couple of times, and uh, yeah, me, me and my son, we you know. Uh, he knows, you know, Matt, he knows, like, you know, my mates in the office. We always talk about it and say, hey, you know, we went there last night, you know, I hired this guy, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so Exciting. I talk I mean, about work. What did your, growing up, did you have any role models, any entrepreneurs that you knew that gave you that? Because I didn't, no. I had no one, right? Me neither. Did you have any? No. No, I'm more inspired by, honestly, by music than business, you know. Uh, so, you know, I told you, I, I like punk music. So, I'm, I, you know, I prefer to have inspiration from, uh the kind of musicians you know and people that go against the rules that's really? what i like yeah rather right? I, I don't like like particularly like business like you know start i don't read any books to be honest no. i don't i'm not like i never thought about becoming an entrepreneur i always enjoyed no. my career so far I'm, I'm very opportunistic i think as, yeah. as a person you know so i always progress always happy where i was but i get bored very easily so after i get bored i have to do something else and uh uh but uh, yeah i don't really uh I never had a dream of becoming an entrepreneur or something like that. I wanted. No, more... I don't. I don't think I did either. You know, I was growing yeah. up, I, I had no idea. I'm a bit like you. I just stumbled on recruitment. I was a teacher first. I then went into recruitment. I didn't know what I was doing. And then, 
even Mark, I didn't know I was going to own a marketing agency until about three months before I launched. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm I, like didn't know, I didn't know I was going to have an e-learning business, a coaching academy, until, about, <laughs> until a month before I launched it. I think I'm, I'm quite similar in that way. But I, I do I wa- think I now, wanted to be a rock star. You know, if I could choose, I'd be a rock star every day. Mate, you need to grow the hair. Right? You need longer hair. You need you need it needs to flick out the back. You know, I need I need to see the head movement. Uh, but do you know what though? I'm interested to know now. Like, I mean, long term play, but like, what impact will you have on your son? Because that's a challenge, right? It's it's can you instill those values of of hard work and entrepreneurship when you could financially afford probably to give him a life that maybe you didn't have? I know my vision is to give my kids a life i didn't have but with, with no. it's, it's, it's a tricky one i think for me I, I don't really care you know it's like it's like it's it's their life you know so they i i got my way if they want to work they work if you know they want to be whatever they i don't i never had pressure for my family of do this do that you're gonna be that they always let me uh be you know and yeah they never put pressure so i kind of want to do the same you know i don't want to put pressure i'll rather more that them taking the lead and say hey i want to do that and yeah, yeah. for sure but you'll but, but you'll but you'll naturally inspire them in a way that because you'll be doing so many cool things that it's, it's slightly i don't know what your parents did mine mine were pretty humble jobs you know my stepdad drove a truck and my mum worked as a driving instructor so there was no Us. there was no like amazing exciting stories going on so but i think if i'm building a business globally or you're building a business in japan our kids are going to see different things they're going to experience a different they're going to have a different experience growing up yeah, for sure, but it's it's really you know up to them. You know, I'm again, I'm uh, I don't know, I don't want to. Uh, I think nowadays you see a lot of parents. You know, they put them in like, you know, from really like they put them like they have to get them to start like five languages from when they, I don't. I'm not like that. You know, I think it's just let them go, let them be kids, and then they'll figure out their own way when when they have to be. I think. <laughs> Guys, I've got a couple of comments on a lady called Karen Dale has written on live on LinkedIn. I work for a global company and I've been working remotely at home since February 21. I've been more productive, getting more done in less hours as no office distraction. We do have options going to the office if we want to. Employees working at home is based on trust to get the job done. I, I don't think either of us disagree with that. I yeah, think what totally, you're, yeah. I, I get what you're saying is you spot an opportunity. And yeah. you want to create a culture your way, whether or not people, other companies do or not, you don't really care. You, you're building your business the way you're building it. And yeah, yeah, for okay. me, I, yeah, I don't want to be critical of people that are working no. from home. You know, it's like whatever suits you, you know, that's great. You know, like uh, if you're happy, that's fine. You know, like it's just not my, it's just not our thing. You know, I mean, it's just not, we don't see. I mean, I wouldn't like to have a business that works from home. I like the, I like the destruction of the office, you know. So <laughs> I'm cool I, with I'm, that. I'm really torn, you know. I, I do miss it. I do miss it. I do miss it for sure. But then there are times where I get so much more done when I'm not asked about 50 questions a day. So it's it's a balance. But then answering those 50 questions a day is having value to the business. So you've you've got it's it's a trick. It's a tricky one. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, kind of horses for courses, right? You know, whatever suits and whichever way people want to go, that's great. It's just for us, you know, if you don't want to work in the office, it's just probably not a good fit with my yeah. business. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, And we don't expect to, you know, be the you know destination of choice for every single person in the world. You know, people that like our style, like our ideas, our visions and believe in what we're trying to do that's great if not you know there are like a thousand other recruitment companies in japan and overseas you know go there <laughs> yeah, exactly so <laughs> so 
that leads me to the future then. So what does the future look like? If you tell us about 2022, you, you sat with 42, 43 people. What's the vision this year? What are you looking to achieve? Uh, we want to double. So we want to go, if we can, to 80. So we just moved into a new office, you know, this one. Uh, this can fit 90 people, I think. So wow. we try to fill it as uh, quickly uh, and as profitably as we can. Uh, so I think if we finish, honestly, like uh, anything in between like 60 and 80, I'm good as long as the 60 or 80 people that are in the business are quality. Uh, so, you know, the, the, easy, the most difficult part is really to go from zero to 50 and keep that 50 people together for a period of time. I think if you na nail that stage, which for us is going to be basically this year, then 50 to 100 is, is relatively easy. And 100 to 200 is even easier because you have all the management in play, you know, the the system already there. So that's kind of... Uh, so what that, do you, what, what's the biggest challenge? I mean, you've been through this before, right? What do you see as the hardest bit or the challenges around maintaining that 50? What What's what's going to go wrong? What could go wrong? Uh, uh, well, you know, we are hot, you know, so we are the place to be right now. So everybody has got eye on us, you know, so my guys get constantly headhunted, you know, that's, that's a thing. Uh, but there's nothing, you know, for, for us, you know, we, you know, we're very fair, I think very, uh, very fair, I think on how we run the business. Uh, so there's nothing, um, there's no threat, I think from outside in particular, I think maybe the only tricky part, I think that, you know, we, you are, when you are at a company like my stage, I think is, is the middle management layer, you know? So if you don't have that middle management layer, you can't really hire more people, you know, because they can't take them. So it's yeah. really, uh, now we have a really good senior management layer. I have like, I think five or six, like senior managers slash directors, and I only have now two managers, you know? So of course, you know, again, the directors and the manager, the senior manager have direct reports, you know, but they can take, you know, they can't take, you know, three, five new grads. We only we only hire one new grad uh, per team per quarter. You know, right. so uh, of course, you know, so one manager cannot take more than one at uh, head count, basically. So after you have five, six direct report, that's it. You know, then you can't really hire for that team on AC. So then you have to go for an experience hire, or uh, you have to wait for that team to mature you know, and to get maybe a senior con that becomes manager, and then I can give him like more account. But of course, you know, you have to go a little bit slower with new managers because they can't take, you know, one AC per quarter, you know. So um, I think the tricky part is just that middle management, you know, I think. Um, have you uh, have you found any, do you, do you use any external trainers for that? Are you doing it all yourself? What's the plan? Uh, everything in-house. So we, we design all the training in-house and we, Matt and I wrote all the materials. Mm -hmm. uh, so we design everything we can't try to do as much as we can in-house uh, and we want to promote as many people as we can in-house uh, so our philosophy is always we even if someone is not really ready and I really think that nobody's ever really ready for their first managerial job we give them a shot you know and uh, so we fast track a little bit their career I guess so our idea if we can uh, homegrown uh, maybe within this year another like three to five maybe uh senior con into management into management and if we can hire strategically from outside another couple then then we can sustain the the growth and then we can hit those 80 and then next year we can do you know 120 and 30 and so on so at that level of growth though you, profit's gonna take a hit right you've gotta you've gotta be expecting profit will be relatively low but it will level out later when you hit a certain point 
Yeah, you kind of go through what I observe and what we observe. You kind of go like a little bit down and then you have a massive spike and then you go down a bit and then you have a massive spike. That's kind of how the uh, curve goes. Yeah. Again, what for to do what we do, you need to have you need to have some stomach for it, you know, because you know, you're betting on, you know, again on uh uh, you're forecasting something you don't have, you know, and you're betting on your people to perform and you're betting on your people to grow, you know, you're betting on the economy to stay the same. You're betting there are a few variables, but I think within those variables, you know, I, I think if you have that confidence and again, for us, we've done it before, you know, so it's not, you know, we, we've done it before. So it's not the first time. So this time we are not making a lot of mistakes that we made last time, you know, so I think we're much uh, slicker, I think, in in everything, you know. So, and you can feel it. I think I feel way less stress this time. I feel like way more stress last time than than this time. It's, I just feel like it's easy. I mean, I, you know, I'm not easy. It's not easy, of course. You always have pressure because you're growing at this speed. But I feel way more comfortable, you know. And what you know what, what you're what doing. What, so, what's your advice then? So, someone who wants to follow your footsteps and lead a fast-growing recruitment company, give us give us a couple of bits of advice you would you would say to those people uh i think I, I don't know i think it's just really you really need to want it badly <laughs> because you know you're only gonna see the reward like you know really like like five years later ten years later you know it's much easier to run a small boutique you know i think so you need to have it in you really yeah it has to be uh you have to be a hundred 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 percent sure that you want to do it uh uh I think uh, you need money, you know, 100%. So you need to get the investment, you know, from somebody. Uh, you can't do it with your own money. It's actually not, you know, it doesn't make sense to do it with your money because you're just going to lose money, honestly, I think. So, you, you, yeah, you need to get an investor. Uh, just be prepared, you know. <laughs> it's, it's not easy, I think. Said, maybe go and manage a business for someone else first. Go and learn on someone else's cash, perhaps. Like, build yeah. a like you did yeah i think you know that there are like some you know i was watching the podcast you did like i think a month ago two months ago uh i don't remember his name but it's the guy that started uh the business from his bedroom and now he has a 200 people or something like that and he did it right. literally by himself with a, yeah mark i think that is a really unique story you know i think to do what it did without real investment is really difficult i think you know mm -hmm. especially now you know you need to find a good market as well i think the market play like a decent you know part we couldn't do this in uk you know it, it, there's just not the space you know here there is a space for we think for uh another big player but again before we did it nobody believed in that you know so yeah. everybody thought that it was already done you know so it's kind of i don't know it's really you have to feel it for us it worked really well because we had uh the trading ground really uh in myself hayes robert waters matt comes from robert waters you know and um uh we really spend a lot of time uh working for big businesses and learning a little bit the craft you know and also again we you know we we are uk recruiters you know playing in japan which is it's easier you know so we have that advantage we're competing well, against no, it's, i mean globally i mean the, the industry is dominated by brits that are work like running australian businesses us businesses japanese hong kong like the, the British training school, if you like, has then gotten sprouted all over the world, which is insane. Yeah, I think here, you know, like kind of our competitors are really 
ex-English teachers, you know, that grew and developed. So all the directors, MDs in the majority mm. of the companies are ex-English teachers that, you know, they learn their craft in Japan. And it just like, you know, we start our career in UK, you're competing at different levels, yeah. you know. So we're always going to have that, I think, competitive advantage of starting your career in, in a more developed market, I think. And yeah. Uh, But yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's not easy to do. I think it's probably the rarest case, I think, where somebody want to set up their own uh you know company and scale it i think and you basically you do it for your ego i think that's really the reason why you do it no i was gonna say that what is what is in it for you long term like is it is it pure ego have you have you got something you want to buy you're trying to achieve grow something what what's the uh, no, the money is yeah. there, of course. You know, if you you know if you sell that to hundred people business in Tokyo, you know, you, you know that's you're pretty much done. I think you know. Yeah. So there is that financial freedom aspect of it, and you know, making like really, really uh, a significant amount of money that is there. And there is your ego. You know, for me and Matt, we always you know we think we are the best, and we want to demonstrate again <laughs> that we are. So that is, I think, is really the that and the money i think they are the two most uh and of course you know you have all the nice you know things you know you you're building a company and you know helping other people to achieve their dreams and all the do you have a, stuff that, do you have like a deadline for that five that that 200 person do you know when you when you want to be yeah i think you know to do like something uh to grow a company that's how you have to do it fast otherwise you lose momentum i think that's really what i think you lose momentum with with your team but also yourself you know you get if you don't hit those threshold, then you do lose interest in the business, I think, you know. So if you do it, you got to do it fast, I think. Uh, so for us, it would be a five-year plan, you know. So, you know, a, a three to five years, you know, I think, you you know, uh, from now, basically, that's where from you want to hit that target. So, so if you make it there, you sell out, you move on. Would you want to move on and do it? I'm sure you'd do it again. Like, I can't imagine you. What, you, what else are you going to do? You're not going to sit and play yeah. No, no. I think uh, what we would love to do is, uh, I mean, we already have like some ideas, you know, on doing maybe uh, something overseas, you know, eventually. Uh, so we are thinking about it, but, you know, it's, it's just like way too early for us. You know, you need to hit that, you know, 100 people threshold, I think, yeah. to maybe start to think about some, doing something overseas. You know, for, uh, you know, our group companies, they don't have anything in Europe. You know, so I would love to at some point be back in Europe and maybe, you know, I fancy, you know, you know, to you go back, not to UK. I think there's no point of opening a business in, U, in UK right now, but I don't know, something in Europe like Switzerland or even Italy, maybe, you know, so yeah. I don't know. Wow. Exciting. Um, yeah. Alex, I really appreciate your time, mate. I love, I love the story. I love the energy. Um, I think people will learn a lot from this chat. They'll be inspired. Some people will disagree. And, you know, they, like we've had sure. other comments, people saying, uh, you know, I'm used to that. Wanna, you know <laughs> people will say, I don't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to do that. And that's what you, what you said before is great. Not everyone, we're not a destination employer for everyone. You're polarizing your audience. You want people to love you. Yeah. You want people to hate you. That's absolutely fine. As long as you get what you need, which is grow the business where, where you want it to be. If, if people are listening and they'd like to know more, in fact, last question before we go. Why would, because you mentioned this in our pre-chat, that you could you can pay or you can arrange for recruiters to come to Japan. Like, yep. honestly, like, so we, we really, yeah, we want actually, you know, honestly, uh, in particular British recruiters to uh, come to Japan and join our business. That's, that's really a thing that we want, you know. Yeah. So if someone reaches out to you and they're like, look, I love this sound of the episode. I love the sound of your business. 
What's a realistic time frame from accepting a job to getting out there and working? Like, what? How long would that take for someone to? Um, so it depends on now that with the COVID, it's a bit more a, a, a little bit more complicated to get a visa. You know, so realistically, if someone send me a CV right now and we do the we do the interview very quickly, so in a month we get it done. So realistically, yeah. if everything comes back a little bit to normality with the immigration system in Japan, probably by I think by July, I think it's could be possible right um yeah that would so be looking about a six month six month time frame at the moment it would be faster you know with the, the guy we hired in uh, i think he joined in january you know from canada we got this visa done in like two months i think right right uh, but you you arrange all of that the people just need to be prepared to come right yeah, we do the visa, you know, and everything. Uh, we can hook people up with uh, like a real estate agent in Japan. You know, we do. We 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 have connections is it, here. Is so Tokyo we... is rent rental accommodation expensive in Tokyo? I imagine it's. Imagine... It's cheaper than London. It's cheaper yeah. than London. So I, I don't know. You know, Tokyo. Is, I don't think it's that expensive. I felt London was more expensive for me. London is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I was making less money at the time as well. So in comparison, is is a thing. But I think Tokyo is. It's cheaper. Even the food, I think, is cheap, you know. Uh, mm. If, again, you don't go for anything like, you know, particularly glamorous. And, you know, for instance, in London, everybody does house sharing. Here, everybody's got their own apartment, you know. Really? Nobody's sharing house, no. Well, that says a lot about it, doesn't it? That says a lot about <laughs> it. Um, Alex, you're making me want to quit my company and join. Never mind people that... Come here. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, show you, I'll show you my track record. You'll, you'll snap me. <laughs> Um, but look, mate, thank you so much. I've loved every second of the chat. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, is LinkedIn okay? That's the best place to, to send you. Yeah, LinkedIn app. is the best one. Send me a, a message. I'll, uh, I'm very quick to reply. All right. You're an absolute legend. Um, we're definitely going to interview you again. I'm thinking... Late... When we get to 100. When we get to 100. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like an annual, you know, an annual check-in. Well, I want to know yeah. where you are in a year's time. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you might have bald head in a year's time and stress. Never, never, never. never. It's never going <laughs> to happen. Never hair looks too good. I'll do um, a hair transplant. I'll do a hair transplant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're alleged. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for the comment section. There's a couple of people who've messaged Lawrence Davis. Said an 11 out of 10 pod today. Uh, mate, I appreciate your, your kind words. Um, anyone listening back on Apple and Spotify, thank you. Please do get into, if you can give us a, a rating on Apple and, and leave a comment, it does allow us to reach more people. So we want to get that out there more this year. Um, but we'll be back again next week um, with another episode. Uh, in the meantime, you stay safe and I will see you soon. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com. 
or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. Tune in again next week. That's live on LinkedIn. Or you can catch the show on the following Monday from 6 a.m. on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'll see you soon.